0: go ahead and get started here. Please, let's pray together. Our Father, again, we thank you and praise you that you are our maker, and you have made all things uh, according to your will and your word, and uh, we thank you, Lord, that uh, uh, this is true, and thus you are our sovereign, and we are made in your image, and uh, so many uh, great truths and realities and blessings are uh, because of this, uh, um, if you will, most basic thing about you and what you have done. And so, Lord, we pray as we uh, consider those who would say differently, uh, give us wisdom and insight and uh, strength then to stand for what is true. And so we pray these things in Christ's name. Anybody have their watch on? What time do we have? hour. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, all right. That's at six thirty-five. So. Um, all right. Let's then. All uh, right. Uh, well, hopefully uh, the person who reading the bell will uh, <laughs> have their watch on. Um, all right. Well, we <coughs> started last time with uh, a brief discussion on evolution, and uh, starting first with some of our terms, and in a very general sense, evolution uh, is, is a rather benign term. It's, there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. It just simply means change over time. But obviously, the way it is used in our culture, uh, it's usually meant with the ideas of uh, an atheistic, naturalistic, evolutionary mindset. Uh, from the Big Bang to uh, uh, to life and, and, of course, all of us and all the animals and so forth. Um, we also make a distinction between a um, so-called microevolution and macroevolution. Micro simply meaning that there is a variation uh, within species. All you have to do is, is look at any, any species, and you see that quite readily, including us as humans. Um, nothing wrong with that. you don't have any problem with that biblically or anything. But obviously macroevolution uh, has the idea of changing from one species to another. Uh, not that a dog would become a cat, but uh, a dinosaur could become a bird, or an ape becomes a human, or a whale becomes a cow, or vice versa, and these kind of things. So um, uh, as we consider uh, this position, it is not uniform, though we often hear presented that way, especially in the media or what is taught in the schools or something like that. Um, and, but there are actually three different uh, positions, what uh, I'm calling here an atheistic evolutionary model, a deistic evolutionary model, and a theistic evolutionary model. And they're all, uh, at its core, evolutionary but there are some differences between them. And so, I think three key questions that must have been answered right from the beginning, um, in, in really uh, any world view, but especially here as we're talking uh, about evolution, are these three that I have here. How do you get something from nothing? How do you get order from non-order? And how do you get life from no, uh, non-life? And... Um, these different positions of evolution will explain them differently. But as I was saying a moment ago, uh, what we hear in our culture is that uh, it just all happened. And we can't explain how this little bit of matter got there and how it it exploded, but somehow it did. And uh, everything has evolved from that. Uh, Matter coalesced and became planets and stars and and nebula and so on and so forth, and then uh, energy was uh, introduced into a, um, a conducive situation which brought forth the first uh, life form, and this may have happened more than once, not only on our planet but other planets, so we put these monstrous dishes up to try to hear people speaking in outer space, um, and, uh, uh, and then life evolved from those simple cells. Um, but there is no God whatsoever involved in this there is no outside power or outside force it is purely random, purely chance purely natural Mother Nature is the most uh, uh, if you will personality we can give to it and again this is what we're taught Uh, you can go to any museum um, that is um, funded by the state um, and even private ones for that matter And this is the basic message we're going to hear. But um, it makes absolutely no sense. How do you get something from nothing? Even they will say, we can't answer it, but we don't want to believe anything differently. How do you get uh, order from non order? How do you get laws of nature? How do you get relationships? How do you get things improving gradually? how does that happen purely from random chance and they often simply answer we don't know but we know it happened because we're here and this is the only explanation that makes any sense even though it doesn't make any sense and so problem three then of course uh, we we know life evolved spontaneously because we're here we can't explain it and so on so I mean it's just a faith system it's just religion They, of course, want to call it science, but uh, it doesn't meet really any criteria of science. Um, uh, This is a historical science, you might say, but uh, it's a faith system. And so it's illogical, unreasonable, unscientific, and simply a blind faith. Now, I ended last time by saying, uh, if we look at the scriptures, the scripture also gives us terminology and ideas that would speak against Evolution Clearly, it speaks against an atheistic evolutionary system, um, but it also speaks against any kind of evolutionary model. And so we have the language of according to its kind in Genesis 1 and Gen- Genesis 6 and 7. Uh, even Paul uses this kind of language in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, obviously, we see in Genesis 1, God made man in his own image, not the image of an ape. Or something to that effect. Um, so uh, I, I think it's quite evident from Scripture that evolution cannot be held uh, to by a believer. I'm just totally contrary to the teaching. So we come then to another model of evolution that I would suggest is probably the most commonly held position in America even though the atheistic model is the one that's pushed. And that is the so-called deistic evolutionary system. Uh, we often hear studies say that, you know, 95% or whatever people believe in God. Um, now, you ask more questions, you can get all kinds of other answers. But um, since that is true in part, and just in my own experience as well, um, I, I think that this points us to uh, this position of evolution being the most um, commonly held one. Uh, And that is, uh, God started it all. But he went fishing or something. It doesn't have anything to do with us anymore. Uh, But he started it. And so, when we come to these questions, how do you get something from nothing? Well, God started it. And that answers the question, some will even go so far to say that God... Uh, started the Big Bang and um, somehow made things so that they could derive order from a random system and could develop life from a system that normally wouldn't do that or something to that effect. And so some will even say that he made it so it could do this, he's just not involved in any way. But he began it all. So... As we consider these these questions, we can answer it to some extent, especially the first one. Problems 2 and 3 are often answered in accordance with the atheistic system. But again, some will say that God made it with the ability to do it. Now, I would say in a certain sense, this position has much more viability to it. At least it has some sense of reason to it. But, uh, again, you're, you're, you're dealing with something that is inconsistent with what the Scripture teaches us. It clearly says, God spoke, and all these things happened. He didn't just say, boom, you know, you know, start the whole thing with the big bang and just let it go. We see God specifically working on each day of creation. He is involved in His creation. We, we see that... Maybe most specifically, on the sixth day, creating man. Um, And so there's, uh, just in the first two chapters of Genesis, there's every reason for us to believe that God is present and involved in what he has made. And so deism, again, the idea that God is out there, exists, but not relating to us in any way, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And again, as I've mentioned in regard to evolution, we have all those passages that say, "According to their kind," and so again, this position, though it believes in a God of some kind, still believes in evolution, which is totally inconsistent with uh, the teaching we see here in the scriptures. <clears throat> so you might say it's a little less illogical, <laughs> but it's still illogical and certainly unbiblical. Um, but as I've said think this is probably the more commonly held view of evolution um, compared to atheistic evolution. All right. Comments or questions here to, uh, to this idea? All right. Then thirdly, we have what is often called a theistic evolutionary system. And um, this goes to the next step, you might say, in that um, God not only started the Big Bang, but he has intervened at different times in his creation. He is personally involved. Um, it still has the idea of God being out here and coming every now and again and then going back, which the creation model is that God is present constantly, upholding things. But, uh, uh, basically, it would say that God is involved in the creation. I would say that this view is probably most common in mainline churches. Um, It's not uncommon to go to a mainline Presbyterian or Methodist or something like that and, and hear something along these lines, that God... Uh, created all things, and used evolution in the process. In fact, Hugh Ross would be similar to this position in certain ways. He does not believe in evolution in any way. But the idea of the beginning with the Big Bang, and God being involved at different steps along the way of of, uh, the last 15 billion years, or whatever they say it is now, um, he would say that God stepped in, intervened, in order for things to order, and and so on. So he, he's clearly against evolution, but he is similar to this position in this way, as are other Old Earth people. Um, and, uh, and Nathaniel got a, a refuting Old Earth book uh, for his birthday yesterday, so he was so excited about it reading it already um, so when you consider these three questions then and problems the answers are something like this how do you get something from nothing well uh, started it and certainly that is true um, but again they say you started the big bang secondly how do you get order from non-order well you can't do that in a random system and they admit that it's impossible If you were to explode matter and have it traveling through space, um, you do initially have a problem of of an explosion, and if it's purely uniform, uh, why would it start clumping together in the first place? But let's just say it could, on its own. Um, Would gravity actually pull it together and form a planet or a star? And the argument astrophysicists would you know that hold of this is it can't. We have no indication that gravity could actually form things the way we are told. And since that is impossible, God then, as it were, stepped in, uh, energized it, pushed it together, whatever it was, for them to form. Even though it wouldn't happen naturally. So God intervenes so that it can. And uh same is true uh, then for the laws of nature, he created the system with the ability to do this. The laws of entropy and so forth are, are something that God has uh, put into the system. And uh, <clears throat> not simply as a watchmaker winding it up and leaving, but uh, similar in certain ways to, to deism in that way. Um, when it comes to relationships, how do you get relationships from a chance impersonal system well, again, they would respond by saying God uh, either made it inherent in it, or uh, more commonly, because he's involved in his creation, then you have that personal dimension to it. It's not wholly impersonal. And so uh, they would answer it uh, number two, something along with these lines. And then problem three, <clears throat> how do you get life from non-life? Well, it can't happen. So if you will, God is that energy source that started the first life. It wasn't some electrical storm that randomly shot into this goop, but God uh, either um, energized the system in a certain way or just specifically created it ex nihilo. So I've heard a variety of opinions here from theistic evolutionists. Um, But uh, if we give them, if you will, the best position, they would say that Created, created for a cell, and maybe a number of cells. Uh, and things then evolved from that, they would say. So here's how they would answer the question, uh, or these three questions, and uh, simply, God's involved in various steps along the way. So <clears throat> I think we have to admit there's far more reasonableness to this position. Uh, It's far more logic, uh, it's more rational, so on and so forth. But you still have this position saying that evolution is what God has done. The Big Bang, millions and billions of years, this is how God did it. And so, um, back to some of the things I was saying against an old earth position. How then Can you answer the question of the exegesis of the word day? How can you have death before the fall? How can you have light before the sun and photosynthesis and so on and so forth? You know, there there are many problems based on what we see in Genesis 1 with any kind of old earth position, whether it's a theistic evolution or uh, an old earth creationism so many problems that uh, I don't see how it can stand up. And then, in addition to that, back to what I was saying, according to their kind and those kind of uh, points, they, they're still dealing with that problem uh, that, at least problem for them, um, from what the Scripture presents to us. So, <clears throat> at least in my experience, I think this is a relatively common position among mainline churches. Um, sometimes you'll see it in more conservative Reformed churches, but uh, at least not in my experience do you find that as often. Um, it's usually an old earth position of creation, not a theistic evolutionary system. Um, now, maybe that's just my experience and others of you have experienced differently, but, uh, um, but anyway. Anyway, comments or questions here about this uh, approach that some people have? Yes? We were running down the problems with us thinking
1: that Sid and I pretty much know the first chapter of the Bible because, you know, it says God speaks Scientists had come up with a, um, what do you call it? a petition. They were petitioning the government, or just scientists in general. They were petitioning that there was just blatant evidence against the fact that this this whole idea of Big Bang had blatant scientific contradictory evidence, and they were saying. You know, we're wasting billions of dollars promoting this when it just makes no sense scientifically. We need to start looking for alternate theories. (laughs) Obviously, they're not the wrong direction, but over 500 scientists by the time the book was published had signed that document. I think that's very significant. That even within the scientific community, there there are big issues with it. I've read in other places the language is so strong, uh, even in scientific circles, that they're saying it's impossible for it to have happened. We see no evidence. Gravity, in fact, does not work. We see evidence that works to the contrary.
0: Um, Yeah, it comes into a certain point and then then it it stops.
1: Well, and and a repelling action, if you have large enough fragments that break off, a repelling action. two gravities propel one another. So, you know, and so, you know, multiple gravities, you know, you think of like the asteroid belts and things, you know, not like they coalesce into a whole planet. You know, so it, it's really interesting to some of the things even in science were
0: really. I remember Hugh Ross even saying at one point uh, that in his Exposure to the scientific community. He finds more professing believers among the scientific community than any other community, which I thought was really interesting. It's certainly not the message we're (laughs) given. And he said more people outside the scientific community believe in an atheistic evolutionary system than those who are in it. I thought that was very Straight. and that was probably twenty years ago when I when I heard him say that.
1: That's an example of a minority dominating. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. But it also shows you the impact of media, how it influences our thinking. I'm sorry.
1: Schools. That's
0: right. I kind of put that together in my <laughs> mind, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I understand there's a difference, but. Uh, that, too. Other comments or questions here? Well, the, the basic point is twofold. One, it just doesn't make logical sense to hold to any evolutionary system, even theistic evolution. And two, it just doesn't fit the scriptures. Uh, and, and I think it's obvious just in a, a cursory reading of Genesis 1. Um, obviously, there are people who say differently. Um, but uh, anyway, this is how, and in part, why theistic evolution, uh, you might say, is. Uh, in the church more common than it was, say, 7,500 years ago because of some of these problems. They're recognizing it and say, well, wait a second here, and they try to find some kind of mediating position uh, which uh, doesn't mediate much of anything. All right, now, there is another question here, of course, and that has to do with the evidence. We can Talk about a variety of things, and he mentioned a couple of things, and I even mentioned a couple of things about gravity and so on. But, um, and, and I'm certainly no expert in this, so I have looked at it at least conceptually. Uh, the video hopefully uh, could answer some of the questions more specifically, and certainly there are other things out there. Um, but when we come to this issue of the evidence, Uh, Does the evidence support any kind of evolutionary system? Um, I've tried to talk biblically and logically here, at least briefly, (coughs) but does does the evidence show um, anything to support the system? Darwin himself said that the evidence did not support his position. But He was hopeful that over the next roughly 100 years, that the fossil record would be filled out to such an extent that it would either prove or disprove his position. And so this pattern of microevolution explaining um, everything and thus going to the next step of macroevolution, he thought it made sense from the evidence that he had but he recognized and admitted that he didn't have enough to support it. And uh, and certainly at the time in the mid 19th century the fossil record was relatively small. And so, you know, as a in certain ways a, a faithful scientist, he recognized this, admitted it, and said we need more evidence. Well, I've heard a variety of opinions or comments or whatever on this, and some have said that even by the end of his life, he recognized that there was no uh, support whatsoever. Uh, I've heard other people say differently, but certainly now, roughly 150 years later, we have uh, many times the amount of of fossils uh, today that uh, he had. And so what does this fossil record reveal to us Does it support an evolutionary system or not? Well, the fossil record can be pictured in two ways. And what we commonly see is this this starting point, this first life, and again sometimes he'll talk about uh, multiple ones. And then you have basically what looks like a tree. And you've got Different things and so forth, and, and they're all connected in some way. I'll try to keep all these connected to the line. But it's this kind of idea. It all it all is connected in one way or another. It All has evolved from one thing to the other at some point. It splits, and it ended up in uh, you know uh, vegetation, and then the other things went to animal life of some kind, and you know that kind of thing. Um, and, and so this is how it's typically presented uh, from an evolutionary uh, perspective. I'm sure we all have seen pictures in one way or another that, that would show this. Um, but is, is that what the fossil record shows? The fossil record actually shows, you know, I'm just being random here, but um, something to this effect. You've got a species showing up in the fossil record and you see it existing for a period of time, and then it's done. Or, obviously, you have some that still exist today, but there's nothing to connect them in the fossil record. So that's why you so often hear people uh, making a huge deal about some fossil that links one thing to the other. And so, uh, you remember from the video, she talked about some of those links. Lucy is one of the most Common ones, uh, Neanderthal man and such, and then the coelacanth, and the um, what's that lizard bird? I can't think of the name. Yeah. And so, it, you know, there's all these things that they will point to as some transitional species. But the more we study them, um, we uh, see it doesn't work. Uh, remember, the rest of Lucy's leg was uh, however many feet away further in the sediment and so forth. And so they try to say, look, we found some fossils that show this linkage, but um, careful study and honest study shows that uh, it's just not true. And so the fossil record is more, um, uh, if you will, vertical. There's no horizontal uh, aspect to it at all. Um, And so... uh, evolutionists, if they're honest, will admit this, and some do. And so they they recognize that this is a big problem. And so some of them will just say, you know, well, we can't answer it, maybe in the future we will, um, but I believe it anyway. And so again, it's just showing it's a faith system, it's not based on the evidence. And, um... Some of them will go so far to say is uh, something along the lines of, I can't believe in some kind of God, and so uh, I have to believe this. And it's not uncommon for people, if you press them, to have had some bad experience at church or or uh, can't handle the, the problem of pain question or something. And that's why they can't accept a God, um, and, and usually has some subjective element to it. But anyway... Um, there are evolutionists that will admit this, um, though again, the media doesn't tell us that usually. Schools <laughs> and so on. Other people will, as it were, face it head on and say, "Well, <clears throat> okay, there must be an explanation here," and um, we don't see in the fossil record gradualism um, going from one species to another there must be something else that has happened that explains why it doesn't show up in the fossil record. Now notice, they're admitting, it, admitting it's not in the fossil record. So you get all kinds of ideas uh, to, to answer these, whether it may be alien life form or whatever, but uh, bringing life to our planets or you know something to that effect. But um, more commonly, you will hear something that is uh, typically called... Uh, a Punctuated Equilibrium Fancy term here And uh, a man named Stephen J. Gould uh, Was one of the primary proponents of this And um, <coughs> There are many people who have jumped on this bandwagon And I don't know if some of you have heard of this before or not um, But he, he addresses two problems what he calls stasis in the fossil record, and um, sudden appearance. Okay, And again, um, it, they typically call it punctuated equilibrium. Okay. And sometimes you hear it called rapid... Mutational, mutational advance. Okay, so some rather technical terms here for some of this, but um, this is, I guess you could say, a rather well accepted theory today, uh, or scientific proof, I suppose they would and so let me quote here a little bit from what Dr. Gould uh, has said. He says, <coughs> um, addressing these two problems, the first is stasis. That is, most species have no directional change. Okay, no horizontal ideas here. They appear in the fossil record looking pretty much the same as when they disappear. And so there's no... No ideas of gradually changing into some other species. Okay, and they show up and they look basically the same for you know however many millions of years they would say, and, uh, and and so this is a problem, as he says. The second feature Gould cites is sudden appearance, and he says a species appears fully formed in the fossil record. So there's overlap here. But uh, this emphasizes the point of whenever we first see a fossil of a particular species, you know, whether it's the big woolly mammoth or whatever it is, uh, it's, it's, it's a fully formed uh, animal. Now, they may not find a full skeleton, but you know, they're not seeing any uh, transition uh, in it at all. And so, uh, basically, this means there are gaps in the fossil record. You, know, you don't have this nice, pretty little tree. They have all these gaps. And there are no connecting species from one to the other. And so again, some will admit, okay, Lucy, we can't really use Lucy. And Selacanth, can't really use that. But, um, and so admit it and recognize that there are these gaps. But they explain it, again, with the, these big fancy terms here, with punctuated equilibrium or rapid mutational advance. And the idea here is something along these lines. A certain group of species uh, basically goes off into seclusion, into this, uh, uh, a separate area away from the main population of that species. And it's during that time where they rapidly mutate and change into something else. And the reason why we don't have any fossils is because there are so few of them. They're off in a corner somewhere, and not part of the main population, and so that's why we don't see them in the fossil record. That was the second one, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. So I, I'm going to have to stop here, but that's that's basically what they're saying. I'm going to pick up next time with uh, more of what they say, and then the response to it. But uh, uh, the basic point is, in terms of the evidence, they're even admitting that there isn't enough to prove the position of evolution. And here's one of the most commonly uh, held positions to explain why. And uh, so we'll finish that, Lord willing, really next time. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful again that your word is clear. And we don't have to come up with uh, bizarre theories to try to explain uh, how we've gotten here. But your word clearly presents to us that you spoke and things were made and you have and still. Are very much present uh, in your creation and uh, involved and so forth through providence and, and even redemption. And so, Lord, we praise you for this and again pray that you would help us to better understand how people believe differently and thus uh, we would uh, be able to stand uh, for the truth. Uh, Lord, we pray also now that as we come to worship you, that you would strengthen us, that you would be honored and glorified in our worship together. We pray in Christ's name. Yes. <clears throat>